the list of resources and things I want to leave with you. And uh, I printed about 75 out, so I don't know if it'll go around or not. But if you're here as a couple, if you just take one, and if you're single, take one. And if there are several of you that would pass those around and kind of see that everybody can have one that might want one, then we'll be leaving that behind with you. Great. Thank you, brother. Appreciate it. And there might be some over that way. I'm surrounded. Okay, good. All right. Here's a few extras if if you need those. Okay. If if you've been with us, then I've tried to cover what we experience in the mental health field as the two major mental health issues. In fact, I try to keep up with what's current and. Uh, depression used to be the number one mental health issue that is being treated in our culture, but anxiety just took over. Okay. <laughs> anxiety now is the number one mental health issue. Depression is second. Okay, So if you have dealt with any of those things, you're right along with most of us in this world. And I want to kind of go back to the idea of letting you know that some forms of anxiety and depression are part of normal life. Just because you get anxious from time to time or you get a little sad and depressed once in a while, that doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you other than you are human. And uh, we all are made with emotions that God gave to us to deal with life and to experience life. The kind of anxiety and depression we're talking about that might become a clinical issue might become a medical issue where you could use some professional help or those kinds of depressions and anxieties that linger, that stay with you, that have a certain number of symptoms that are attached to them and they extend for a longer period of time. When that happens and you kind of get stuck and you're really having trouble functioning, really enjoying life, being able to kind of cope with life, Those are the times you might want to get some professional help. Now, we dealt the first session on what is depression. The second one, how do you manage depression? Our third lesson did with what is anxiety. And today we're going to talk about more about managing anxiety. And it's our foundational verse. We've gone to 1 Thessalonians 5.23. Where it says, may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. And so we're reminding ourselves that God has made us this mixture of mind and body and spirit. And the whole of our being is to be dedicated to God and our growth, our sanctification, our maturity is coming about as we dedicate our whole being to him. In order to grow and mature and become fit, we surrender our whole being to be obedient to Jesus so we can be physically, emotionally, and spiritually healthy. And one part of us connects with the other parts of us. So as we talk about managing anxiety, we're going to use a little similar format we did with depression. And number one, if you're struggling with some major depression and anxiety, we want to remind you to take care of your physical body. 
We've talked about some things that maybe are physical issues that can mimic the symptoms that go with some anxiety. But something that all of us can do is basically what Jody was talking about in this new year, and he's changing some of his eating habits. Well, there are some things we could change in our eating habits that will help manage depression. Now, on your sheet here, I've made several resources available to you, and at the end, I'm going to go over them and let you know a little more about what each of them may have to offer you. But in one of the resources, there is a a book and an author by the name of the 10 Best Ever Anxiety Management Techniques by Dr. Margaret Werenberg. In her book on anxiety, she talks about increasing nutritionous foods. Taking care of your body is learning to eat more healthy, but also learning the kinds of food that we need to eat. Because I want to I share with you a secret. All the food manufacturers are not always concerned about your health. You didn't know that, I know. But just like some pharmaceutical companies are not always so concerned about your health as they are about profit. Big food can sometimes be the same way. The food products that big food is pushing on you and especially your kids is worthless, empty calories full of things that you don't need. And we're learning more and more as we see the interconnection of the mind and the body and the spirit that what goes on physically can affect those things. But in her book, she says your brain makes neurotransmitters from the nutrients in the food you eat. And most of the production of brain cells and neurotransmitters occurs while you're sleeping. Your brain needs protein from animal or plant sources while you're sleeping. And the digestive process requires 12 to 15 hours in order for the proteins to become available to the brain. This is another reason why a good breakfast is a good idea. To make protein available throughout the night, eat protein three times a day, but you need only three or four ounces per serving, and that's about the size of a deck of cards. Now, that's just one thing. (laughs) I'm going to leave you to kind of put into practice what you already know. It's not what we know, it's what we put into practice. And this is a start of a new year, maybe along with some others of us, you're kind of saying, you know, I'm going to... I'm going to get a little more serious about that. I I want to dedicate my whole being to God. And I want to be as physically healthy as is reasonable. So that I can also be fit emotionally and spiritually. But we're starting off with the physical body here. And just reminding ourselves that we have to take care of our physical bodies. And another thing she says in her book is to change your intake by using this little acronym. C-A-T-S. I'm sure there's some cat lovers in here. (laughs) Nothing personal. But limit your cats, and she talks about limit caffeine, alcohol, tobacco, and sweeteners. 
Those can contribute to anxiety issues. So limiting certain kinds of food while you're increasing the healthy kinds of foods is always a part of getting to maximum health. And as she says in her book here, research demonstrates that these substances, caffeine, alcohol, tobacco, and sweeteners, play a role in causing physical anxiety. And when a person changes intake of these substances, the body immediately becomes less anxious. Now, physical, change your diet. Number two, we've talked about getting good sleep, learning how to sleep. You're having trouble with sleeping. There's things that can be done to kind of help you develop better sleep patterns and so forth. And we've talked about exercise. Not going to go back to those things, but they are a part of us staying mentally healthy. And of course, get a good medical checkup. We've talked about certain things that could be out of line physically that could mimic the symptoms of anxiety, whether you have some hormones out of balance, there's some glandular issues, some blood sugar issues, whatever it is, get a good physical checkup, rule out things that might not be a part of your depression or anxiety, and address those that might be. So, now let's move to another area of de-stressing your environment. Now, you and I know that we live in the age, or what somebody's called, the age of anxiety. No wonder we're anxious. We just live here. (laughs) We're in the age of anxiety. Communication particularly is increasing our anxiety because we have access to so much that's going on in the world and and most of what we hear. It's not good news. I, I, I gave you the basis of our discussion on anxiety that all anxiety has something basically in common, and it's a four-letter word, F-E-A-R, fear. And we can listen to the news, and we can get upset about what's going on in the world. We can get so anxious and fearful that it almost paralyzes us, but it keeps us anxious constantly. And so we have to learn to limit our exposure to certain stresses. And one of the major stressors is this little rascal right here. In her book on the 10 best ever anxiety management, she says, create demand delays. Our current culture has created a very special series of stresses, the demand for an instantaneous response to communication. Many of us have become accustomed to the idea that we should immediately answer the phone, respond to an email, or send back a fax rather than snail mail. Every time the computer phone dings to tell us there is a waiting message, our brains measure, register, and alert. And the amygdala, remember that part of the brain, it's kind of your fire alarm system, your stress signals. The amygdala hears a ding as a demand for attention. That alert is not calmed until we respond to it. And if we do not respond right away, it takes mental energy to push away the urge to respond. Even hearing someone else's phone ring creates a mental and therefore physical tension. All of our communication-related technology has created an artificial 
on-call status that we live with daily, a constant level of alertness and readiness to respond promptly. Kind of scary. But here's some of her suggestions. I'll just go over a few. Wait to check email for at least an hour into your work day. Try getting some work done first. Try checking voicemail at specific times in the workday when it suits your schedule to take messages and return calls. Turn off things that ring and ding while you are focusing on work. Turn off everything at home that rings, including cell phones, while you eat your meals. Make mealtimes no-call zones. Leave your cell phone in the car when you go into a restaurant. At least turn the ringer to silent so that your attention is completely with your meal and your companions to a reasonable degree. Don't mix personal and work-related numbers so that you can elect not to answer the work phone without missing family or friend calls, etc., etc. To reduce the impact of stress, make a deliberate choice to limit your availability to answer the phone, emails, instant messages, faxes, pager calls, and so on, and see how your anxiety level changes. Not bad advice. Easy to do? No, but impossible? No. It's a decision we make to manage anxiety and stress in our lives. So there's a lot more that she could offer, but I'm just going to share those parts with you. But the third part I want to spend a little more time on, and that is to manage anxiety. We've talked about taking care of your physical body, de-stress your environment. And this is where we go back to that cognitive therapy thing, cognitive uh, behavioral therapy. Examine your thoughts. Because we've talked about all of us have automatic thinking going all the time. Now, Because we have that ability, sometimes we might interpret or believe that the automatic thinking that goes on in our heads is always true. You need to understand that is not so. Just because you have thoughts and imagination, not everything that you think or your imagination is accurate or true. In fact, as we've already read from uh, Dr. Daniel Amen's book on uh, healing anxiety and depression... He calls these automatic thoughts, some of them are very distorted, some of them are downright lies. And we have to learn to discern our thoughts and be able to farm out those that are distorted or lying to us and to challenge them with thoughts that are more helpful, realistic, positive, and that are helpful. Now there's a process that that takes place with. But it goes back to the biblical idea here in 2 Corinthians 10 and verse 5 that we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Now, some of these verses that we've read over and over now maybe fall into place into saying, oh, well, I've read that, but nobody ever suggested how to pull that off. Well, these are the suggestions that God has allowed us to understand that help us pull this off, to examine our thoughts and to have power to change our thoughts. We take them captive. Now, 
In uh, Dr. Amon's book, he calls the thoughts that work against us the automatic negative thoughts. And he uses the acronym ANTS. Automatic, N, negative, T, thoughts, ANTS. And he says when you're having an anxiety attack, you're having an ANT attack. Your negative thoughts are battling against you. And we need to understand what are some of those automatic negative thoughts. Well, he puts them in categories, and I'm just going to give you a few because in his book, Healing Anxiety and Depression is on your list. He will give you uh, the outline for how to do this. But also there's another book on your thing called The Feeling Feeling Good, uh, Dr. David Burns. Feeling Good, The New Mood Therapy. And he does an excellent job as well of outlining what this cognitive behavioral thought stuff is. But in uh, Dr. Amon's book, he says there are several categories of ants that you need to be aware of. And ant number one, he calls always thinking. When your thinking occurs, when that thinking occurs, when you overgeneralize a situation and think something that happened once will always repeat itself. And so something negative happens. Maybe you got embarrassed as a kid or maybe something didn't go right in in your life to say, well, it happened once, so it's always going to be that way. Well, guess what? It's not. (laughs) That's the lie of the thought. Just because something happened bad once doesn't mean it's going to continue to happen. You can do some things that will prevent that or at least um, create the situation where it's less likely and you can begin to gain confidence or you can begin to overcome things. But when you kind of assume something bad happened and your mind tells you, well, that's the way it's always going to be, that's an ant. That's an ant. There's another ant he calls focusing on the negative. These occur when you focus only on what's going wrong in a situation and ignore everything that could be construed as positive. Now, we're all pretty good at this. When life is going on, some negatives happen. And so some of those thoughts can creep into us of not only is this all that's going to be, that's all there is. No, that's not all there is, but there That's where we have to kind of open up our eyes and our perspective because most of our depression, I can say this with a lot of confidence, most of our depression and anxiety is the product of your thoughts because of misperceptions, wrong interpretations, distorted thinking that you and I do. And I'm going to stretch that just a little bit further as we go into this a little bit deeper. I think... Satan is alive and well. And I think one of the things that Satan does best is to influence our thinking, prompt our thinking, suggest things to us that are contrary to the will of God and how God would have us think and to be. And so most of the misperceptions, the lies that go in our thoughts can be many times just nothing but imitation from Satan to think the worst, you're hopeless, you're helpless, you'll never amount to anything, it's always going to be bad, etc., etc., etc. Now, with those invitations, 
I'm not saying you're demon-possessed, <laughs> but I am saying we are all in a spiritual warfare. And a part of what Jesus and, and the scriptures tell us is in Jesus too, but is this is where the battle is in the mind, the spirit. And the idea that he gives us is that we're no longer to be, this is Romans 12, we're no longer to be conformed to the pattern of this world, but we're to be transformed by the renewing of the mind. Taking thoughts captive and making them obedient to Christ. And there are several other categories of ants. I'll just kind of give you one or more here. One is fortune telling, he says, and that is when you predict that bad or negative things will happen. When you predict negative or bad things will happen, he says fortune telling ants underlie most anxiety disorders, especially with people who have panic attacks. Another ant is mind reading. Mind reading occurs when you think you know what others are thinking, even when they haven't told you. Mind reading is a common cause of trouble between people. It frequently happens in intimate relationships because one partner assumes he can read the other's mind. But you can never know what others are thinking. You know you're mind reading when you have thoughts as, oh, they don't like me, oh, or they're talking about me, or thoughts such like he doesn't like me. They are talking about me. They think I will never amount to much. I tell people, Dr. Amon says this, I tell people that a negative look on someone else may be nothing more than his being constipated. Can you say constipated from the pulpit? <laughs> I, I, I just did. Yeah. When there are things you don't understand, ask for clarification and stay away from mind-reading ants. They are very infectious and cause trouble. I'll leave the others for you to discover maybe on your own. But let's go to Philippians 4, and I want to spend most of my time here, Philippians 4, we go to that verse that's very well known, but I just want to review, maybe add a few things that might help you, and how do we actually put into practice what the scriptures are encouraging us to do, Philippians 4, starting with verse 4, and this has to do with, again, examining your thoughts. Here it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. Then it gets into what I'm going to call the meat of what to do. He first says, the Lord is near. Now, how often do you forget that? When you're afraid... When most of us are afraid, that fear prompts us to want someone to be with us. Maybe a little story, the little boy going to bed at night, his mom's tucking him in. 
And he says, Mama, please come lay down with me. And she says, Son, I'm sorry. I have to go sleep with Daddy. And so she starts leaving, and his little quivering voice says, That big sissy. (laughs) We all want someone to be with us when we're afraid. And what this scripture is telling us is that God is with you. He is with you. People who are in Christ, those of you who have, just like we saw here this morning, Confess Jesus, put him on in baptism, have been placed in Christ. And all the promises that God makes in the scriptures now belong to you as his children. And he says, I will never leave you or forsake you. He says, nothing can snatch you out of my hands. And so with that knowledge, when we are anxious, he says, the first thing I want you to remember is that God is there with you. Scriptures say, draw near to God. Guess what? He draws close to you. And he has got you. He is there with you. And so reminding us of The Lord is near is the first step in overcoming some anxiety. And, of course, it goes on. Don't be anxious about anything. Now, I want to go back and remind you that that's in the active present tense. And as Max Lucado said very succulently in his book, which I put on there, too, uh, don't be anxious. Uh, The experience of anxiety is inevitable. But the prison of anxiety is optional, like that. And so, in not being anxious about anything, he moves us then, not just being aware that God is present, but he says, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. You start talking to God. You dialogue with him. You go back and remember those scriptures. You said you're here with me. Thank you so much for being here with me. I am so anxious and I'm so upset or I'm so depressed. I don't know what to do. You said to come and talk to you about it, so I'm talking. And so you also said, though, as I do that, to kind of balance whatever's going on with thanksgiving. Now, we talked about focusing on the negative. When you focus on the negative, all the good stuff is in a cloud over here. And you have to kind of blow away the crowd and say, wait a minute, Thanksgiving, what have I got to be thankful for? I don't care what your situation is. Literally, I don't care what your situation is. You always have something to be thankful for. And by shifting our thinking to just being mindful of what do I have to be thankful for? And to balance it, kind of start balancing that anxiety or depression out by remembering the good things that are going on. And thank God for them. If you're talking to him, pray, ask for help, start talking to God. Have this spirit of thankfulness, not ignoring or denying that there are difficult times, 
but believing that God's perspective on those problems will help you through. His presence and his perspective will get you through the depression and the anxiety. But we have to know who God is, and we have to know what his perspective is that he wants us to learn. So Hebrews says, and without faith, it's impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly, diligently seek him. I want to remind you that God is real. Now, you say, that's stupid. We came here to church today because we believe God is real. Do you live like it? Now, I'm not putting it, I don't want to put a guilt trip on you. What I want to do is encourage you to rethink how deep does your belief go? The shallower your belief, the more anxiety and depression you will have. The deeper your belief in God and in his truth, the less anxiety and depression you will have. Now with that, he goes on to say, finally, well, as he continues it, and, and as we pray, give thanks to God. And, and something will begin to shift here. And here's what shifts, begins to shift. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, whatever is excellent, whatever is praiseworthy, think on those things. Shift your thinking. Know what all those little words mean? Well, if we had time, I'd go over them a little in debt. I'll leave that up for Jody to preach on sometime if he hasn't already. What do what these words mean? What is, what is finally whatever is noble? Noble, anything that's high-ranking, ideas and high principles, whatever is right, whatever is proper, what's good, whatever is pure, whatever is clear, whatever is true, lovely, a beauty that appeals to the heart, whatever is admirable, a sense of wonder and amazement, whatever is excellent, that which is superior, remarkably good, whatever is praiseworthy, that which deserves admiration and merit. And can I suggest to you that all these words relate to God and his word. All those qualities relate to God and his word. And if you understand what God says about things and you turn your attention to those ideas, that's what will master anxiety. And I'm going to quickly go to one last thing. As, as this also bleeds over into what I mentioned to you before, I want you to reinstate, understand, learn to practice meditation. Now, what's meditation? Meditation is basically the Hebrew word describes an animal chewing the cud. 
And it means like an animal that chews a cud. It takes in things, it chews it up, begins to break down nutrition, and then swallows it. But it's not finished yet. (laughs) It comes back up, and he chews it some more. And he begins to get even more nutrition out of it and swallows it again. Not finished yet. (laughs) Bring it back up, chew on it some more, get as much as you can get out of it, and then you swallow it. Now, meditation is like rumination. It's taking in the food, the spiritual food God has to us, the Word of God. And as we chew on it, as we ruminate on it, as we reflect on it, as we go over it and over it, maybe even memorize it, as we spend time in the Word and we become acquainted with it and we begin to take it in, we absorb it, then... Anxiety diminishes because God himself and the truth of God, where those things are, there is no fear. God is perfect love. God is perfect love. And the scriptures say, perfect love cast out fear. Now, I'm not saying that's an immediate thing. I'm saying it's a process. But as you learn to maybe meditate on the scriptures and you make that a part of your daily habit, that you will begin to see the positive effects of the peace of God settling more and more into your life. Second Timothy three seven or two seven says, For God did not give us a spirit of fear. Any spirit of fear is not coming from God. He doesn't give us a spirit of fear. But he gives us a spirit of power and love and self-discipline. And so when you are bombarded by the misperceptions, the distorted ideas and beliefs that might run through your mind, the best way to hush up a yapping fear is to bring God and his truth into the situation. I love to listen to KBNE, if you're not familiar with it, Christian radio station, contemporary Christian stuff. I'm gonna I'm gonna suggest you do what they suggest. Take the 30-day challenge. Okay. Listen to it exclusively. Don't listen to anything else on the radio except that radio station for 30 days. And what you're gonna hear through the music and the songs and the lyrics there are the truths about God. And that's one way to kind of meditate is to let the truths of God come in through your ears, into your heart, and to let it kind of restore you. But one of my favorite songs that I think applies to what we're talking about this morning is the breakup song by Francesca Battistelli. Here's the words. I am sick and tired of being sick and tired. Had as much of you as I can take, and so I'm so done, so over being afraid. I've gone through the motions. I've been back and forth. I know that you're thinking you've heard this before, and so I don't know how to say it, so I'm just going to say it. Fear, you don't own me. There ain't no room in this story. And I ain't going to give it, 
time for you telling me what you say I am, that I'm no good, like you know me. Well, guess what? I know who I am. And I know I'm strong because God has made me strong. And I'm free because God has made me free. So I've got my own identity now. And so fear, you will never be welcome here. Maybe we can close with just the admonition from Psalms 46, 1 through 2. Um, I'll read it and go over the review thing real quickly. Psalms 46, 1 through 2. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. The resources I've mentioned to you, Keys to Unlocking Depression by Dr. Michael Yapko, a very small book, excellent introduction to depression. He is an expert in treating depression, anxiety issues. As far as I know, he's not a believer. He doesn't push anything other than just the positive aspects of understanding depression. Breaking the Patterns of Depression is a larger book by the same author, and he goes into more details than he does in that first book. Healing Anxiety and Depression, Dr. Daniel Amen. I mentioned the Feeling Good New Mood Therapy, David Burns, that does, deals with depression. When Panic Attacks by Dr. David Burns, if you have difficulty with panic disorder. Mentioned the 10 Best Ever Depression Management Techniques, but there's also their companion 10 Best Ever Anxiety Management Techniques. A Christian book, Letting Go of Worry, Dr. Linda Mental, a Christian psychologist. The Anxiety Cure, Dr. Archibald Hart, a Christian psychologist. The Sleep Solution, Dr. Chris Winter. Anxious for Nuxing, Max Licato. Now, I particularly want to draw your attention to Downward's his workbook for teens. I mentioned to you that teens is the adolescence is the biggest population we're seeing more depression and anxiety with. Here are some workbooks. They are not Christian-oriented, but they are exceptionally good to work with teenagers through these issues. You add the spiritual stuff to it as you might need to. But first one, Beyond the Blues, that's for teenagers who are going through some pretty severe depression. Stopping the Pain. Part of anxiety and depression with teenage behavior is what we call cutting. They'll cut themselves. This is a book that deals with that issue as it's associated with anxiety and depression. The Anxiety Workbook for Teens, obviously about anxiety. Panic Workbook for Teens, if you know teenagers that might be dealing with some panic disorders, excellent resources. But I also want you to know that there are some things you can Google, look up on the Internet. They have tons and tons of resources for any kind of mental health issue you can even imagine. The American Association of Christian Counselors. And focus on the family. I put my number up at the top. If I can ever help you, you want to call, I can uh, give you some feedback or lead you to resources if you want. I just put that uh, as a bonus on top of that. I really appreciate the invitation to be with you. God bless you. Uh, We're so glad that there are so many Christian people scattered around Longview that we know we have a connection with. We pray that God will continue to bless you here at this church. Let's pray for a moment. God, we pray that you will help us as we put into practice the things we've, we've been talking about here. Help us to remember that you are with us. And your word, your truth came to set us free. 
And you've empowered us to put these things into practice through your Holy Spirit who lives in us. Even the word that you give that name to, the paraclete, the one who comes along to assist. We may ask, believe, and engage your spirit who lives in us to be about the transforming work to make us more and more like Jesus every day. Be with us now as we move into the remainder of this day. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen.